Good evening and welcome to the Widdershins Yarn. Hello everybody, my name is Stevie. And my name is Lilius. And come with us now on a journey through time and space. Through time and space. Which, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is already used. <laughs> so, but um, yes, uh, we are a horror podcast. We talk about all things uh, horror, folklore, witchcraft, magic everything that is in the horror land of horror <laughs> don't you just want to be part of this podcast already um <laughs> what, what happened to your your queer crooked queer oh, queer well, crooked I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to like loosen up and be like down with Ooh. the kids and you know yo, mix yo. it up a bit you know i'm coming at you like a chaffinch i'm like gonna serve you up some some violent <laughs> quiche to be down with the kids is to make references to a tv show that came out over 10 years ago <laughs> Look, all right, but the, 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 you know the teenagers that I work with already do not make me feel current. All right, so don't you do it as well. But um, yeah, uh, no, tonight uh, we're talking about witches again. So you know, Yay. you know, you know what's about to happen. Intro music. <laughs> intro music. Intro music. Intro music. Sorry, sorry. And see, I'm not down with the kids, apparently. Um, anyway, and we're back. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining me this fine evening. Yay! That's all right. Yay. I'm happy to be joining you because I get to talk about my favourite subject, which is women burning to death. Um, <laughs> and by that, I mean my top four witches from historical times. Yay! <laughs> historical times! <laughs> from ye oldie days! From that time of history! Sorry, my, my top four historical witches. <laughs> I love historical times, you know. Uh, <laughs> historical times. But um, yeah, I guess this episode is kind of a, it's kind of a sequel, technically, because we've already done... Uh, my top four witches okay. um, <laughs> from historical times. <laughs> from historical times. In our first Grimoire Club episode, uh, when we talked about Summerland, uh, just oh. after that, wasn't it? Yeah, like, uh, like the, it was yeah. like the next episode along, I think. Yeah, yeah. After, after that. I We talked about your top four historical witches. And, you know... I think they were all historical. And then these are my top four historical witches. Because, you know, I mean... It gets real Scottish real quick, and I... Lawrence Cheney! Lawrence Cheney! Lawrence Cheney! Scottish real quick. Who, by the way, I fucking love and I'm voting and I'm just rooting for on Drag Race UK. And it rests around outside You know who I support. Right. So, yeah, so Lilius, yeah, I'm... I, I'm desperate to know who are your, your top four. Who is who is the first in this lineup? Number one of my top four witches from historical times Aye. is uh, Lilius Addy. Addy. Lilius Addy slash Addy. I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, but she's called Lilius, so 100% I am there. Um, so there was huge uh, witch trials in Scotland. Loads and loads of them. Mostly ended in lots of women getting strangled and burned because mm. that's what we did here <laughs> we strangled them first and then we burnt the bodies Aye. just to make sure see the thing where i don't really have that thick a scottish accent but see as soon as i start talking about scottish history it gets real thick real quick <laughs> um, so <laughs> 
I'm gonna have to cut you're, that out. Just no, I you can't. heard it. You heard, you heard, no, you heard it here first, ladies I'm and gentlemen. It gets real thick, real quick. Well, fuck me. This isn't this kind of show. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> right. So. Lois Addy, she was accused of being a witch in the general kind of way, having um, relations with the devil and all that. Um, and she was the only one that we know of whose remains survive. So because all of the witches who were accused and found guilty were strangled and then burned, remains don't survive. Whereas Lilius Addy, she died in prison awaiting trial. Oh. There is, I couldn't, um, I couldn't find a good source for where it says this because in uh, one or two articles it said that she took her own life mm-hmm. um, to like avoid the trial or forced confession or anything like that. But I couldn't actually find um, the the source for that mm-hmm. at all. So it could just be that she also died. She was quite old. She was like 50, 60, which isn't really that old in modern times really quite old back then (laughs) Um, well yeah (laughs) you've had a good run (laughs) so her body was buried at Toryburn in Fife oh no it was still burned but it was buried uh, at Toryburn in Fife which is where we live Um, not Toryburn but in Fife (laughs) Um, and it was the grave was robbed uh, before the 1900s um, by the reckon like curio collectors, people who wanted like witches' bones or something like that. But the skull found its way to St Andrews University at the museum there in 1904. They took photos of it there very quickly after they took the photos. I think it was like in the same year the skull went missing Ooh. and it hasn't been found since Ooh, but what spooky. they did with those photos recently was they did a facial reconstruction of her and you can actually see her face so if you google Lilius Addy L-I-L-I-A-S which is not how I spell my name <laughs> and Addy is A-D-I-E you can see the face of a woman who was accused of witchcraft in the 1600s that's really cool it's really cool do you think we could maybe link like below in in the description. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'll I can I can link all the articles and stuff like that as well. That I've kind of <laughs> you're some of this. you're so good with your sources. I mean, <laughs> I, like I'm, I'm a bloody anthropologist, and, I, and you're like, have you got any sources? And I'm like, no, I don't know what I did. With yeah, them. to be fair, my sources are like that one article in it, but <laughs> that one article is something my mom told me like three years ago. <laughs> My mom's really up on her Scottish history, so a lot of the stuff that I know comes from my mom, and then I have to like message her and be like, Mom, <laughs> remember that one thing that you said to me that one time about five years ago? Can you remember it? And she's like, yes, it was this, and I'll give you the exact breakdown <laughs> yeah, <she can. laughs> of what it was. I messaged her about this because I was looking at um, some of the witches and stuff in Scotland, and I was wondering if there was any names that tie into our family history. My mom has our our Scottish ancestry traced back into like the 1700s or 1600s or something and so I thought like oh I better I'll look through this list of names see if there's any that pop out and any that she might say like oh yeah they're you know we could be related to them because they lived in the same area related to the same kind of people kind of thing um and she doesn't know any of them (laughs) but there is one um that's not a relation to ours but kind of a family name that's tied in a different way Mm. And this witch, 
was um, one of the reasons she was tried was because she was found dancing widdershins around the stone. And I love that because it's a magician's yarn. <laughs> and um, for our listeners, Lilius, what would it have meant to have been dancing widdershins? The wrong way of the sun. Which means... So anti-clockwise. She... Anti-clockwise, yeah. <laughs> it means that she's evil because that's like the devil's dance and all the rest of it. Yeah, the, the thing <clears> with widdershins <throat> is so interesting. It, it turns up so much in folklore of going the wrong way of the sun. Mm. Oh yeah, totally. Like, there's lots of different pieces of folklore about like if you dance around a stone or a certain stone, or like if you dance around a churchyard, widdershins, then the devil will appear and all that jazz. Yeah. You know, she was probably just enjoying herself practicing. You know, her <laughs> practicing her dance steps. And they were like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> her hat fell off. She was chasing it, <laughs> and they're like, ah, "Witch, <laughs> burn her!" <laughs> She bought that hat herself. Independence. <laughs> Kill her. <laughs> Financially stable, burn her. Has her own thoughts. Name. I know. So anyway, yeah, exactly. That's so cool, though. How do you how do you feel having a name connected with a famous witch? Um, I love <clears> it whenever <throat> I find any Lilius, because there isn't that many of us. So for it to be a witch as well, I'm like, yes, get in there, son. <laughs> also, uh, my, my the only relative I do kind of know of that was a bit, bit on the spooky side, I guess, <laughs> was another Lilius. I can't remember which one. We've got a few in our family. <laughs> but a couple of Liliuses ago, um, she was around in the 1920s. She looks really similar, spookily similar to me, and she was really into the spiritualism movement. And she got disowned from her family and written out of wills and all this kind of stuff because she was a spiritualist. That's so cool. Well, I mean, not good for her. Source, my mum. <laughs> By the way, I would love it if, like, for all the Lilies in your family, they're all just you, but various different, like... Just, so, just living through different lives. Yeah, so, like, the, the 1920s Lilies is just you. <laughs> it's just like, hi. <laughs> She's financially independent. <laughs> Burn her. That's really interesting, though. My, um, my mum's, mum's side of the family were spiritualists and, like, really into, like, the spiritualist church and stuff. And, like, I was brought up going to spiritualist churches and all that jazz. It's an interesting thing. I quite, I think it's quite <laughs> funky. <laughs> funky? <laughs> really getting down with the kids here. Uh, yo, yo. <laughs> yo, yo. Bro. Yo, yo, bro. Yo, yo. <laughs> Which oh, don't even. I mean, the most masculine I am is when I have to like open a drawer to get something out of it, and I'm like, oh, oh! and that's not because I'm being masculine; it's because I've actually hurt myself using an arm muscle. <laughs> what? I open a jar though, and just feel like a surge of testosterone. That's just me. Okay. You know, I yeah. <laughs> I'm just like oh. I, yeah, gherkins. I, I opened a Let me provide for my children. Oh, I, gherkins on a plate. I open a jar and suddenly my beard like goes and like you know gets. Mine does the same. <laughs> good. That's so good. Anyway, who is witch Sorry, number right, two? Moving on. Witch number two. Um, witch number two. I didn't want to pick a specific witch, but I did want to talk about the Salem witch trials oh. because. We are both drama students, and that meant that at 15... <laughs> the we crucible! Forced, we were forced to learn about the McCarthy era in America, and the crucible, and yeah, just, um, and that whole thing. And that kind of got me, it's like, before then I had been quite Wiccan and Pigney and a bit 
goth in it. Mm. Uh, so I was really happy to learn more about Salem Witch Trials. And the Crystal film was just chef's kiss, like, mm. good stuff. It is. Uh, so, brief history of the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, they started in the spring of 1692 in Salem Village in Massachusetts. Um bunch of little girls little girls you know young women claimed to be possessed by the devil and they accused a bunch of local women of witchcraft as well uh it caused this kind of spark of hysteria and um right. what was it 20 people around 20 people were hanged and mm. 150 more were accused including a five-year-old child a five-year-old child. A five-year-old child. Yeah, I can't remember which one it is. I feel like Sarah Osborne's kid or Sarah Goods. Wow. Can't remember which. That's awful. <laughs> which which was which? <laughs> <laughs> which which was which? So there's a modern kind of scientific explanation that they feel could be responsible for the hysteria that kind of right. swept Salem at that time. Um, in that there is a um, a type of fungus called ergot, which grows in like rye and wheat and like grain kind of cereal things. Yeah, and it can cause symptoms like delusions, vomiting, muscle spasms, hallucinations, that kind of thing. Right. So there is a theory that perhaps I think they looked into like the weather conditions at the time and would this be possible and all this kind of stuff and it was deemed that it could be possible but obviously you can't prove it. Mm. Um, And that yeah it could be that there was this case of ergot (laughs) amongst a whole bunch of the villagers and so, so would they be would they be consuming this through like the products they were eating yeah yeah or? it grew in it grew in wheat and rye and things like that so it'd be it would go into your bread and you know oh so it really eat the time so it would cause yeah like hallucinations one massive trip okay basically that yeah a bit trippy and also um like a, a rational body not rational do you know what i mean like um spontaneous kind of body things like um so some of the descriptions of what the girls had been doing in church and in the village and stuff had been having fits Mm -hmm. um including violent contortions and uncontrollable outbursts of screaming yeah now um in the crystal play and the film they kind of heavily uh suggest that the girls are faking it all um and that they're all just kind of whipped up into a frenzy about it and then none of them can kind of admit to it uh Mm -hmm. whereas this kind of gives a slightly different Mm. possible events that maybe they weren't all lying maybe they were all having these experiences Mm. it's just this was how they were explaining it yeah because Um, there's there's talks about like them like seeing like night hags and things on their like waking up and seeing things on their chests and like so if they're hallucinating that would make sense uh the first um arrest warrants and the first named witches were uh the slave tichba Mm. and two other women a homeless beggar called sarah good and a poor elderly woman called sarah osborne um and these are who the girls accused of bewitching them um 
Good and Osborne both denied their guilt and Tichuba uh, confessed in inverted commas. But it's so interesting how those three women seem to be such outcasts of Mm -hmm. the time, which we were talking about in other podcasts as well, of how it always seems to be the outcast women and the the kind of the outsider. <laughs> well, because point burn her. Well, because I mean, like Tichuba was a person of color, right? Yeah, yeah, she was a black slave, um, and Sarah Good was a, a beggar woman, so unsightly. Don't want her near me. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um, Sarah Osborne. I don't have much more information in other than she was just poor and old. Um, so, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Have a look that deep in for um oh that was it, it was a four the four year old daughter of Sarah Good, the homeless woman, was the youngest accused. Oh my god. Yeah. That is so shocking. Tichuba confessed, probably because she thought it could save herself from conviction and death. Um and she claimed to have laid with the devil and um she named a whole bunch of people um, and interestingly, the people that she named were upstanding members of the church. <laughs> Good on you. Well done, Tichaba. Come down with you. <laughs> well, she's like, well, if I'm going down. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm going down, I'm taking these bitches with me. Um, Giles Corey, I feel like, gets an honourable mention in that lot. He was the man who was pressed to death by stones. Oh my God. Um, and he refused to ever confess or name anybody else. Um, and I'm not fully sure of the historical accuracy. I know that the line in the play is based on mm. historical accuracy in inverted commas. Yeah. But I don't know the actual... You know, where's the source? <laughs> I haven't seen the source. I'm, I won't say it um, 100%. You know, I want the receipts. Um, Where are the receipts? Yeah, I want the receipts. But apparently his dying words were more weight and they put on another stone and he died instead of naming anybody else to be killed. Jesus. Um, fascinatingly, I find that... I, I love these little connection things that happen sometimes. You know how we talked about it could possibly have been caused by this mould mm-hmm. thing, this ergot? Yeah. In January 1697, the Massachusetts General Court declared a day of fasting for the tragedy of the Salem witch trials. And I just think it's such a weird circle that it could have been caused from what they were eating and they declare a day of fasting. Mm. Memory of it. <laughs> just like it's just such a lovely It's it's fascinating. Link. Yeah. Isn't that kinda of cool? I don't know. It doesn't mean anything. I just thought it was like a you know, one of those nice little cool connections. I yeah, no, I mean I think I mean I think the whole history around the Salem witch trials is just fascinating. Because, I mean Ah, so good. Yeah. See, one of the things I find totally fascinating is Salem in general and modern day Salem because it's like witch Disneyland. It really is. (laughs) Witchtopia! (laughs) Witchtopia! But it's like this, like, slightly fake, plastic, bottled up, labelled version of witchcraft sold back to modern day witches as though these women were witches. Mm hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very interesting. And I mean, you can 100% argue the point that perhaps these outlying women and stuff that were accused of first were um, the historical witches in inverted commas of your medicine women and your, your, your cunning folk and your healers and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But all of the evidence that we actually have just points to them being 
regular people and that there's no converting with the devil and all this kind of stuff and it's so weird how it's become this tourist attraction of what was basically a massacre well i think it's it's weird and it's it's this weird plastic tourist attraction do you know what i mean well i i think unfortunately it's a massive trend that you get in a lot of kind of like pagan circles and by the way i can say this because i have been involved in the pagan community for a very long time (laughs) i can say it because i'm a pagan (laughs) i'm a pagan i'm a pagan demands anyway no but like i I find (laughs) come get me off your bridge good boy (laughs) If you want this, you're going to have to shove me off. Um, but I find, you know, it's this really annoying thing that you find in a lot of ma- in a lot of kind of pagan circles where it's like we'll just appropriate this and we'll we'll commercialize it and make money and we'll sell you white sage and you're just, you're yeah. just a bit like okay, but this this was a tragedy, regardless mm-hmm. of whatever your personal beliefs about this are. Um, you know, it just everything. Nothing ever. Nothing ever feels sacred anymore. Everything always has to be <laughs> bought, sold. You know, s- slapped a label on, and it just it it does. It drives me irate. It really, really yeah. does. Um, also, as well, because if you think about it, like if you look at the, if you think about the figure of Tichuba, like there's a big chance that she was just practicing like her own ancestral practices which she brought back you know what she brought with her when she was made a slave yeah. do you know what i mean there's yeah, she pro- this, she's probably she, you know there's a good was, chance she was just minding her own feckin business as well do you know what i mean or she're like someone screaming from the backs like or she was because she it was because she's black I mean, <laughs> or because she's black <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly but that's what i mean is she she was you know I feel like it's from the film Don't Be a Menace in South Central whilst drinking your juice in the hood. But there's a line that's like, arrested for being black on a Wednesday night kind of thing. And it, it feels very that. It's, yeah. it's interesting that the the first person named as a witch yeah. in that society is probably one of the only black people in that society. Especially, she's like, it's probably just like, oh shit, well, fuck it. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> Thank you. Next, like, <laughs> well, if um, I'm going down, <laughs> but that's what I love. There's actually, mm. if people are interested, there's a, there's a really really good book called The Witches Salem, sixteen ninety two, a history by a woman called Stacy Schiff, which I have I've I've only dipped into the first chapter or so, mm-hmm. but it outlines the history of the witch trials and the various theories as to what was going on. So I would recommend if anyone's interested to check that. Cool. I will borrow that from you at some point when you finish it. <laughs> I will give it to you. It is yours. You. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, number three. Number three. Is, I feel like you will you will like this one because you told me about her. It's Isabel Gaudi. Ah, yes! Oops. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. So taking it all the way back across the water, back to Scotland. Um, I mean, how could you not mention Isabel Gaudi? I mean, oh my god, she is... Interesting. Yeah. So, she is probably the most famous witch in Scottish history. Um, She gave the notion of the word coven and the whole idea of a witch's coven. Mm -hmm. Um, Some say her ghost still haunts 
Alderan. Al- is it Al- Alderan? Al- Every time I see the word, I want to say Alderon, and it's not Alderon. It's Alderon. <laughs> the, the Death Star destroyed Alderon, <laughs> Lilius. And with it, Isabel Gowdy. I just imagined Isabel Gowdy with star puffs. <laughs> Aldern. I think it's pronounced Aldern. Is it Aldern? Yeah, okay. Aldern. I think so. Ghost tours and stuff around there will tell you that our ghost is still haunting it and all that kind of stuff. And trying to find out about your gone. Sorry, haunting Alderaan. <laughs> <laughs> The thing with Isabel Gaudi, though, (laughs) is that there's, like, so much myth and legend surrounding her that it's actually kind of hard to pull out the facts. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of that probably comes from the book The Witch Cult in Western Europe by Margaret Murray, who... No. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, thoughts and opinions. <laughs> I do, I really do. <laughs> Many. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. This book is kind of infamous for embellishing the witch history of Europe and kind of creating a new one and massively exaggerating things and all this kind of stuff. It was a huge influence for the Wicca movement um, and Mm -hmm. the development of all that kind of stuff in the 20s as well. Um, But, so what we do know about Isabel Gaudi is that she was really pretty normal for the time in that she probably didn't have much of an education she wouldn't have been able to read or write um she probably uh you know spun yarns oh see how we've tied it in here with both of the words from the title oh my god right but yeah she probably spun yarn as in making of yarn Mm -hmm. uh worked with textiles that kind of stuff she was married and interestingly she does not mention her husband in any of her confessions. So, she probably add here, she's very famous because of her confession. And mm-hmm. her confession is fascinating. So, the witch... um, What's the word for them again? The Inter- witch prickers? Pickers, the prickers? interrogators? Yeah, the interrogators, and I think they were called witch prickers. Yeah, witch prickers, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway those who interrogated them and stuff to try and pull the confession out of them they were um kind of pretty bad at feeding what they wanted to hear back so they'd like do questions like oh and when did you make your pact with the devil (laughs) you know did you go into the woods that night to lay with the devil and stuff like that so they just kind of feed them and then, you know, the woman would say, like, yeah, yeah, sure, you, I haven't slept in five days and you've been beating me nonstop. So, yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> yep, just outside Starbucks. Yeah, right. That's where I'm <laughs> Just outside Starbucks. <laughs> With um, my mocha frappuccino. But <laughs> Isabel Gaudi's confession is just fascinating because there is so much in it that is not the sort of stuff that she would have been fed. Mm-hmm. Um, side note on Isabel Gaudi, because... Um, side note on all of this <laughs> side note to the side note on Isabel Gaudi I perform in drag and my drag name is Charlotte Chark 
and I chose the drag name Charlotte Shark because of a actor performer in the 1780s I think um, in London who uh, dressed in male clothes lived as a man for many years and I like to think is one of those uh, and uh, was um, enamored with women <laughs> um, and men and is one of those queer historical people who totally slipped through the gaps mm-hmm. and I love it when you find them because there's so many people which are like oh the trans trend if you know what I mean it's like this, yeah. this sudden thing that suddenly everybody's trans and it's like no people have been here <laughs> for so long and they've just slipped through the gaps and you've missed them and you've not been seen for them so the witch Pricker, who was assigned to Isabel Gaudi, was a woman disguised, in inverted commas, as a man. No. Yes. Wow. So a, a witch Pricker would be called um, into an interrogation for witches. Um, they would typically strip the women naked, which was like a huge ordeal because there was so much about modesty and stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could do really horrible things to them, like insert big needles into them or cut them. Um, and sometimes like the, the pricker part of it doesn't really cover what, like, like think less like a pin and more like a small dagger yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and then, but then some of them were, were, weren't, it's sort of up to the individual wig, but (laughs) they're living their best life. Anyway. Yeah. It said the most known and active witch pricker at that time in Moray was, went by the name of John Dixon, but it turns out that Mr. Dixon was really a woman named Christian Caddell, who was deported to Barbados in 1663 for her fraudulent behaviour. Wow. So they discovered that Mr. Dixon was not born Mr. Dixon and removed Mr. Dixon to Barbados. That's amazing. Fascinating. I, I, yeah, I felt I had to mention it because it's one of those things where something like that just pops up and you're like, Oh, <laughs> do we have queer represent? It's not the queer representation we asked or wanted in a witch pricker, but thank you. But, but, <laughs> but there's also other queer queer stuff with Isabel Gowdy as well. Can I can I can I say? Can I say? Can I say? Oh, say 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 please. So, in terms of Isabel's um, confession, she talks I about. I love how the dog starts barking in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was really hoping the hounds of hell are loose. Oh my god, Ollie, the hound of hell. There He's the smallest, grumpiest, <laughs> oldest hound of hell. You'd like, honestly, you're like, Ollie, shut up. But, um. <laughs> is it stopped? Anyway, so basically, uh, in one of Isabel's confessions, she talks about when the devil would appear to her coven. And one of the she, one of the things she says, and this is this is this is what's so great, and it really annoys me when when um, witch historians or people that study witchcraft gloss over this point because it really pisses me off. So Isabel Gowdy was from a mixed sex coven. She names both men and women in her in mm-hmm. her confession, right? Yeah. Whether or not they exist, who fucking knows? But she says in her confession that when the devil appeared to them, he would then lay with any and all. So she says that the devil would sleep with both the men and the women of the coven. So you've got in that statement a bit of queerness and queer witch history, which lots of witch historians just completely ignore. And you're like, mm-hmm. 
I just think it's really fascinating that 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 she mentions that in her testimony, and I just think yeah. it's a really interesting idea. So I'm like, hello. I really, really want to read her entire confession. I think that would be fascinating. I'd really love to do that. I've only seen like I've only read little bits and bobs. Oh, I have I have a book for you. It's such a <laughs> send me your book. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I guess just just to take the opportunity to plug it as well. So there's a witch historian called Emma Wilby. And she's written a book called uh, Visions of Isabel Gowdy, Magic, Shamanism and Witchcraft in 17th Century Scotland. So basically, it's an anthropological study where she mm-hmm. goes through Isabel's testimony and she mm-hmm. summarises that she thought that Isabel must have been some kind of local performer because of the... Ah. Because of how elaborate her confessions are. It's like she's relishing the fact that she's getting an opportunity to tell a story. So mm-hmm. it 100% like all of her little details and stuff that she puts in that she puts in all these little flourishes and stuff which 100% would not have been what she'd have been pressed to mm-hmm. say um, so one of the things is obviously that she met the devil and gave up her baptism and that the devil put his mark on her shoulder and sucked her blood oh. um <laughs> she naughty boy uh, <laughs> she had carnal relationships with him she kissed his behind oh shit oh my, oh, my. um i thought she met with him in groups of the coven and on her own um and she goes into like real details um and then also that her coven were waited on by spirits clothed in yellow and grass green who had peculiar nicknames like Pickle Nearest the Wind, Thomas the Fairy, and Over the Dyke with it. <laughs> yes, amazing. It's like peace blossom cobweb and mustard seed. <laughs> I am so here for it. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. And fairy lore and fairies in general turn up in her um, confession quite a bit, which is cool because a lot of this stuff is glossed over when we talk about the Scottish Wish Trials and stuff, is how much fairy lore Mm -hmm. was around at the time, and if you look at the, um, like, the death, not quite death registers, they are kind of death registers, like, in the parish registers of where they would mark, um, you know, they, they'd write down the parish kind of notes of, you know, blah, 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 blah accused and killed. And, and you know what I mean? Mm. And they would write down what the the accusations or the, yeah, what the, the, the accusations specifically were, what the confessions were. And fairy, ter- fairy lore turns up in it all of the time. Wow. Along with, um, like demon and um uh maleficent maleficent's magic or malefia maleficium that's the word yeah um so she confessed to a whole bunch of maleficium but um and was very in depth about her um practices of what she'd done to cause harm onto um, like the the next farm over and how she'd made their crops wilt and all this kind of stuff um, and she describes her fairy activities of how she feasted under the local fairy hill the downy hill 
which is the site of an Iron Age fort with the fairy king and queen and the king being a brahmin well favoured and broad faced and the queen was a brawly clothed in white linens sorry Um, and she I don't know what this is so maybe you can fill me in on this I haven't actually looked this up but says she also expressed her fear of the water bulls which she encountered there I've never heard there's, of water bulls before. There's folklore to do with the fact that fairies kept, like, fairy um, herds, basically. Oh. And and they would keep... And so, like, there were, there's all sorts of stories. You've seen them across Britain, actually. There's a lot in Wales of um, people being, like, on the shore by a lake and suddenly a cow walks out of it, like, so... And like, but it's, <laughs> but it's like, um, it's, yo. it's got, yo there, hello there. And it's, but it's, it's got like beautifully adorned like horns and it's like pure ah. white. And so fairy cattle that, yeah. So it's a reference to their fairy cattle basically. Oh, cool. Um, but and she also says how she transformed into a crow, sneaked into cellars of the local castles. She stole ale from the barrels and performed magical rituals there. Uh, Good she girl. claimed she travelled to see the elves' house, um, where she saw hollow and boss-backed elf boys whittling elf arrowheads. And then she claimed that her and her companions charmed corn corn straws and made corn dollies into horses and then she cried horse and hattock in the devil's name and they flew on these corn horses shooting elf arrows at passers-by with no bow they just flick them with their thumb and it kills people right that, that it killed them wow yeah um she's amazing like the stories are amazing the stories are amazing and then the beneficial magic that she claimed to have done as well is she claimed to have healed sicknesses illnesses diseases she claimed of a ritual where sickness is diverted from a bewitched child into its cradle and then into a cat or a dog to move the sickness onto a different animal um and that she said she cured fevers broken bones that kind of stuff um and generally that it's, it's thought that she could have been working as a kind of cunning woman and wise woman mm-hmm. sort of thing obviously not many doctors around and all of that kind of stuff um so her whole confession is so interesting because as you say it is very theatrical mm-hmm. i mean there is also fully the possibility that she was suffering from some kind of mental health thing and was in some kind of state of psychosis mm-hmm. and uh, pulled what she knew from folklore and stories and stuff into her confession and believed a lot of it to be true mm-hmm. um there is also again um a suggestion that she could have been suffering from ergotism the mm-hmm. the mold again um, though rye, which is what it's most common on, is not really a Scottish mm. thing, but it was grown around that time in that area. Okay, interesting. And uh, she does actually mention rye in her confessions as well. Um, again, <laughs> She's just her nut on rye. <laughs> <laughs> She's pure right in it, man. Uh, but you know, just because uh, you know, there's a 
mold that grows in rye that can cause hallucinations does not mean that she ate some rye and it caused hallucinations. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of um, ghost things uh, based on her in that area. There's a lot of ghost walks and stuff that mention her. She's sometimes called the Green Lady and stuff. Um, and there is loads of plays and poems and books written about her. She's very interesting. Mm, she is. She's a fascinating figure. Because I think you're right. I think she kind of she kind of straddles this very strange divide of, you know, is she making it up? Is she, you know, is she performing to an audience? Is she making it up? Is she tripping balls? Or does, you know, or, you know, is there a mental health aspect? Does she really believe what she's saying? Like, um, there are some people that believe that she, you know the reality of whether or not like the you know the realness of accounts is not really the point but there are some there are some scholars that believe that she believed that she was practicing a kind of a form of british fairy tradition do you know what i mean like animistic there, kind of there was um also mention about yeah shamanistic uh rituals that happened uh, obviously in um uh, america where we kind of have that term brought over from mm. but there was also these shamanistic rituals happening all over Europe and different cultures and that perhaps you know the kind of smoking of certain substances inhaling of certain things eating of certain mushrooms um, could bring on religious experiences completely (laughs) and you know that she could believe that these were true events that happened when she was tripping balls in the field um i mean regardless <laughs> she sounds like a girl after my own heart i'm like you go isabel <laughs> let's let's swap digits isabel we should be friends you know <laughs> she is 100 percent somebody i want to chat to right like actually you know so, what i would add her to my list of like dinner party guests that i would have from oh history. my god yes so somebody else i would 100 percent want to talk to i don't think i would ever invite them to dinner though is my number four is Alistair Crowley. Ah! Uh, ah! <laughs> so, oh, is he your number four or is he your number one? Do you know what I mean? Like, no, um, I no, they're not. They're not in any kind of ranked order. Oh, okay. Lilith is first, though. But <laughs> 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 if they were, Lilith would be first. But um, no, I I don't think I like Crowley very much. Not many people do, to be honest. <laughs> fascinated. Even in his own lifetime, nobody did. But mm. I am fascinated by Crowley. Um, there is. Like, Crowley's life was so intense and so huge and so much happened in it that I cannot give you a history of his life. No, it is Like, in all of the other ones, I've been like, so this happened, it was this date and this year. Crowley's life is intense. So instead, I'm going to attempt to just scroll through and point out a couple of things that I thought were brilliant. Mm. Um, So if you've never heard of Aleister Crowley, uh, he was an cultist yeah <laughs> it's really hard to sum up who Alistair Crowley actually was he was a cultist he lived through both the world wars um he was bisexual mm-hmm. um and I actually believe that his first mystical experience ever was brought on by his first romantic encounter with a man but he seemed to have some grappling um mm. issues about his sexuality throughout his life which is kind of interesting in itself as well um 
He was one of the main influences for Gerald Gardiner, who is responsible for modern-day paganism and Wicca as well. And there is even some talk that perhaps Crowley wrote a lot of what Gerald Gardiner put out. Um, but the thing with Crowley is there's all of this stuff, it's really hard to prove much of it. Yeah, totally. He was a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which is a secret society that's dedicated to the occult, which worked, I think, mainly out of Italy. Um, He did then get thrown out of Italy. (laughs) Granted. Um, So there's also another theory about Crowley that he was a British spy. Now, some of this has been proven to be true, but the extent to how much of the things that he did could have been spying, in inverted commas, and he made up stories to cover what he was doing, we don't know. Because he he worked Um, for the British Secret Service, did he not? He did work for the British Secret Service for a while, yes. But we're unsure of how much work he did so there is a biographer who believes that Crowley joined the order to spy on the leader Sammy Mathers for the British government because he was part of a European political conspiracy Uh, so people think that maybe the government wanted to keep tabs on him Mm. and sent Crowley there because he was a cultist and all this kind of stuff anyway Um, he did work for the secret service (laughs) two birds one stone hey I know sorry um worked intelligence in the US but it's really hard to find out information about it Um, there are files that list him as an employee of the British government um, and he was once paid by the Germans to write anti-British propaganda so that's kind of believed that it was perhaps a double agent-y kind of thing where his anti-British propaganda was actually possibly not as anti-British as it or something who knows um, what a man, sorry, what an enigma, Jesus. I know, right? It's just, it's all so weird. So, the poet W.B. Yeats, am I saying that yeah, right? Yeah, Yeats. I don't do words. Okay, right. The poet W.B. Yeats was also a member of the Golden Dawn. He and Crowley didn't look along, though, because... Crowley liked uh, black magic, Yeats liked white magic, and they kind of butted heads on this quite a bit. Crowley at one point came in shouting magical curses at the poet, who used white magic to make Crowley fall down the stairs, and this fight was known as the Battle of Blythe Road. So this is where Crowley's just ridiculous to attempt to research. Because there's all this stuff about spying in the British government and propaganda, and then it's like, oh, Andy also had a magical battle in which WB Yates made him fall down the stairs. <laughs> it's like, okay. Okay. He also has his own religion. Thelema. Thelema. Thelema, yeah. Okay. I like Thelema, it's interesting. Where Crowley is the prophet who would lead the people of Earth through to the world's new eon. Yeah. Is kind of the sum up of it, I think. Slightly culty. <laughs> um, it says me being like, I love Philema. <laughs> it is interesting. So he went on a. There's so many like little stories about Crowley that are just like, mm-hmm. what? He went on a big game hunting trip to India to go and shoot some elephants or whatever. Uh, fun times. Mm. Um, 
And it went kind of horribly wrong because he shot two men who tried to rob him instead. And <laughs> the men survived, but Crowley got kicked out and had to leave the country. <laughs> a lot of these uh, stories end with, and then Crowley had to leave the country. Yeah. <laughs> Crowley was really, really, really heavily into drugs. After getting kicked out of India, slash having to run away from India, slash leaving India, slash I totally did it on my own accord, it's not a phase, mum. Mm. Um, he visited China, where he got really into opium and spirituality. But some people believe that he went to China to get intel on the opium trade for the British government as a spy. Wow. Yeah, but he could. He was also like a known drug addict. He wrote a book about being a drug addict. So, mm. you know. I'm not sure if I'd trust a drug addict to go and get me intel about the drug trade. Um, or maybe they're the best kind. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. So right. when he was supposed to leave China to return to Britain, he instead travelled to Shanghai in secret. Um, and there he met with his friend, Elaine Simpson, um, who was kind of into the same stuff that Crowley was into, and was into his religious text that he'd written, which he had um, been dictated to by an angel called... Awas, the Book of the Law, right? Awas, yeah, the Book of the Law, mm-hmm. Book of Law. So the two decided that they were going to summon Awas, and they succeeded. And Awas apparently instructed Crowley to return to Egypt. And Awas did not want Elaine Simpson to join him, but she did want Crowley to sleep with him. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I go. Crowley, <laughs> stop it! So basically, the, the angel, angel told me says to... that you can't come with me to Egypt, but the <laughs> angel also says that I would like a blowy thanks. <laughs> the angel says you can't come with me to Egypt, but the angel says that you need to sleep with me now. Yeah, you can't come with me, but you know what's about to come right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was disgusting. That. In World War One, Crowley sided with the Germans publicly and was involved in the New York's pro-German movement and wrote for the Fatherland, which was a German propaganda paper. Um, but nobody knew that it was actually a double agent for the British intelligence and was trying to undermine the Germans' efforts in America from within. So this, this has been proven to, to actually be... So, like, mm-hmm. there's so many things of like Crowley being a spy that it almost makes you wonder if he invented this huge ridiculous persona to cover Mm. up all of this spying kind of stuff and it's like well where where is he really then I mean would you invent an entire religion just to cover up your spy would you I don't know (laughs) Crowley's a bit weird Crowley also went mountaineering at one point and um, that ended up in a lot of mountaineers dying (laughs) because so Crowley was quite a cautious um, mountaineer as would kind of be considered a good mountaineer these days but back in the day people like the people mountaineering with him I think they were Mm -hmm. trying to um, skill uh, K2 Um, they deemed him to be like a spoil sport basically and was (laughs) no fun and was too cautious and all this kind of stuff and Crowley said like they all fell out with him, and Crowley said, well, look, don't leave tonight. If you leave tonight, you'll, you know, cause mm-hmm. an avalanche or something like that. <laughs> they left. They were like, 
<laughs> Screw this dude. <laughs> oh, no. We're off. They died in an avalanche. Apparently, Crowley heard the avalanche from inside his tent and was literally like, oh well. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I can't remember the exact quote. But it was basically, it was basically, yeah, told you. <laughs> Well, if they'd listened to me, I mean, this just wouldn't have happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> interesting. So I'm pretty sure he didn't get to go mountaineering again. Probably had to leave that country as well. Do you know what I mean? So one of my favourite things about Crowley is that, you know, like, YouTubers, musicians, etc. today, businesses as well now, when they want to get a load of eyes on a product or a launch of something they like fake drama and they make a huge drama stir up so that all eyes are on them when they release their next single their next movie their next whatever that mm. kind of stuff and Crowley kind of invented that <laughs> I don't know if I can purely state that Crowley invented it but Crowley did it um, so in Portugal he decided to fake his own death <laughs> um, he went to Boca do Inferno with the poet Fernando P Pessoa okay. uh, and the two tried to make it look like Crowley jumped off the cliff onto the rocks. Pessoa gave, him a gave a suicide note into the newspapers and the word spread and everybody thought that he was dead and then he came back three weeks later to an art gallery showing his own works. <laughs> I was like, not only am I alive but I've got merch. <laughs> What, who is he? Jeffree Star? <laughs> I know. Almost. Like, Crowley's like almost the Jeffree Star of their time. That's actually that nobody hilarious. nobody likes them. Sorry, the yeah. shade noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um... Oh, I found the quote of what he said um, during the mountaineering accident. He said, yeah. accident in the quotes. He said, a mountain accident of this sort is one of the things for which I have no sympathy whatsoever. You cold bitch. Oh, like... Hey, what's up, you guys? Yes. <laughs> oh, wrong one. Wrong one. I'm like, shade. <laughs> I call shade. <laughs> like... <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome back to my cult. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah, that was that was it as well. And when he left the site of the avalanche, he didn't even bother to stop to talk to any of the survivors of it. Four men were killed, though. Okay. It's so fascinating, isn't it? Because, like, Crowley, I think, is one of these figures where there's so much lore around him. You're right. Mm. How, do, how do you tease out what was really going on with him? Um, and there's so much death around him as well. Yeah. Like so many people die or are shot or like well I mean we'll look at Boloskai and House you know the house he had oh, in yeah, Scotland the house that he, he had in Scotland as well he, is fascinating and interesting in itself he, like because, you could do a whole episode just on that house well I mean because I mean how many times has that burnt because it did not burn down again recently I'm sure yeah, I think like last year or the year before it burnt down again <laughs> it's um, trying to go through it's like it's cyclical purge you know like, well <laughs> Time to... Ten years have passed. <laughs> Time to purge the black magic here. <laughs> it's a detox. It is a detox. Mean? You get it out of your system. Irrigation. <laughs> you get Crowley out of your system. You know what? Crowley reminds me... Because I think... I'm sorry, but I think in many ways Gerald Gardner was the same in this kind of 
slightly lecherous older man that, you know, mm. is a bit like... I have to say, though, I love his tarot. Like, his tarot is my favourite oh, yeah, tarot. He, I, yeah, he designed the Thoth deck, which is Stevie's favourite tarot. And I you And which you can hear it. Stevie about talking all the time and me dragging it through the mud on Tarot Reads, which is every other week that we're not doing Magician's Yarn. Woo! Over at Bushel Cult. Thanks very much. Love you, guys. There you go, see. Do I... you like my casual plug? <laughs> now we need to start some fake drama one of our decks. <gasps> oh my god, no, wait, no, we, have, too, we right? have to do a YouTube video where, like, the still is you and I having, like, an argument. Like, we've split. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. And then actually, we're like, no, we're, li- we're like, we're fine. <laughs> like, and we have a new line of leg warmers. Like, <laughs> buy our merch. Buy our merch. <laughs> oh my goodness. Tell you what, though, this has been really enjoyable listening to, like, your, your top four witches, like, it's been really good. I've re- I feel like I've learned a shit ton, so... Oh, I like to do my research. I got really excited about the concept of having to research it <laughs> That's really <laughs> good. It's really good. Fun. You know, it make- it- No, but it makes me laugh when you're like, oh, I don't know anything. I'm not good at research. And then you come up with this amazing, like, you know, in-depth <laughs> the thing- character the thing study. Is, right, I pick up all of this stuff and then, like, and get really, um, obsessively into things like the Salem Witch Trials and stuff, and then I can either articulate myself well at, like, 2am to my husband whilst I can't sleep, and like, talk at him for about two hours about the Witch Trials and how it was all really to get rid of women, and also James VI because he had a bad boat trip. And went, Um, and then, like, when it comes to actually huffing to recite this stuff, I can't. Do you know what I mean? My mind just goes blank. So I was like, no, I will come prepared with research and notes and facts. Well, like, it was just excellent. And I think we should Aww. we should pepper in, you know, to, like, our, you know, uh, blah, 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 into <laughs> our... <laughs> we, we, should, blah, 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 blah. we should pepper into, like, our, you know, our episodes, like, occasionally, like, a, a top four of this for you, a top four of this for me. I think that'd be quite good. Aww. We should do that. Oh. We should oh, do that. Well, but, um... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as I said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, please tune in next time, because we're beginning a series next. <gasps> yes! Yes. Ah, we're beginning our uh, series looking at the video game series Silent Hill. So, I'm super excited for us to start that. Um, yes. Excellent. Well, we're going to love you and leave you. Have a good evening. Stay spooky. Stay, <laughs> yeah, stay spooky. <laughs> outro music, outro music. Outro music, outro music. <laughs> They're coming, They're coming to, get to get you, you Barbara. Barbara. <laughs>